Welcome to Stageworthy. I'm Phil Rickaby, the host of this podcast. This is episode 320. I really need to get better about celebrating milestones. I mean, this isn't one of the big ones. This is a minor milestone, but it is 320 episodes, and that's something to celebrate. So I just want to sit for that for a second because I'm not really good at doing that. So let's just uh, think about the fact that I've done this 320 times. Stageworthy is a one-person operation, so not only do I arrange the guests, I also edit the show, I promote the show, and I even created the music that you're hearing right now under what I'm saying. I also shoulder all of the financial responsibilities for keeping the show going. And while I give this show away for free, it is important to note that doing this is not cheap it's not something that costs no money i am i put out money to make this happen so if you enjoy this show and if you appreciate the show please consider supporting it there are a few ways that you can do that if you listen on spotify or apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and if you listen on apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review your ratings and reviews really do help new people to find the show if you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And you can also leave a tip for the show by dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. I will put a link to that in the show notes, which you can find on the website or in your podcast app. But one of the most important things that you can do, even more important than ratings, reviews, or even financial support, is to share on social media. Even a retweet will help. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 320 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to find me online, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Stefan Zeporowski. Stefan is a director and creative producer at Toronto's award-winning Birdland Theatre. He is best known for his interdisciplinary stage practices merging film, digital, and live performance, and is the founder of the creative startup Digital Dream Society. Here's our conversation. You are... Uh a director and a creator of inter interdisciplinary stage practices, as you've described it, you mix digital and live performance. Can you tell me when did you first start doing that and how has that changed for you during the pandemic? Oh, uh, well, I, th I think that I really never, Never did anything else, actually. <laughs> like since I uh, since I started with a uh, with theater and live performance, it was always for me uh, mixing different worlds and bringing them together into something that we accept as a as a live performance. And so my my journey started uh, way back in in Serbia and. Uh, I think like very late 90s or something when I first attempted this merger of different disciplines and different aesthetics and uh, when I came when I came to, to Canada uh, and when I started my uh, masters 
at uh, University of Alberta, I found there a very uh, welcoming and like extremely embracing uh, group of people who really wanted to support me in this uh, exploration. And uh, from there on, I uh, simply integrated both like film, digital, into uh, my practice and into the way how I read plays and how I interpret them uh, on stage. But uh, of course, with a with a pandemic and uh, everything surrounded, that shifted drastically and pushed me more into this kind of digital realm when I started exploring uh, more intensely uh, how how the elements of theatrical language can be translated into the uh, digital realm and so I created a couple of projects with some colleagues from Europe but also uh, here in Canada that uh, went on and gave some really uh, interesting uh, results. We created a couple of, uh, let's call them like um, theatrical films with my colleagues in Europe And here in Canada, I collaborated on a few projects, and the one that I'm really proud of is uh, Internal Iniquity that went on and uh, won a couple of uh, awards down in in the States as a best uh, live stream uh, production. The the issue the uh, not the issue but the the mixing of theater and digital I think um, every so often uh, I've seen people attempt it and try it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but just like with digital theater I've often seen and heard um, resistance to the mixture of digital elements even though in in a lot of cases when it's done really well it sort of widens the scope of what can be done on stage. I think for some people, there is a a resistance to that. Is that something that you saw or was it mostly embraced uh, when you were uh, 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 working on it? Well, uh, this resistance is, is, is present always. And it's not just about, uh, about the digital that we are talking right now. Uh, it, it was present even even before when uh, different elements of like the uh, projected media were used in, in, in theater, such as like um, either a live video or pre-recorded video. There was always this resistance like, oh, that's going to overpower, that's going to overtake the theater, that's going to take the overtake the live performance. But uh, uh, to me... Uh, it can only enhance what we know about theater and it can only enrich uh, the language we use in in theater. So resistance is there and, and it's present, but I don't think we should pay that much attention to that resistance at all. I do think that there's, there are people who get tied up, uh, really tied up in what they will say that theater, quote unquote, is. And um, 
they sort of get hung up on theater. If, if it includes this, it's not theater. If it does this, it's not theater. And more and more recently, I've just been sort of latching onto the fact that, you know, theater does evolve. Theater does change. And theater is what we make it to be. And so it can stand to be online and it can stand to have digital elements and film elements. It, 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 it is what we, what we make it. Uh, yeah. And I don't think that we should uh, separate them. I don't think that we should make this binary division between uh, what is assumed to be a theater and what is assumed mm. to be a digital or film. Uh, they are all together now. And mm. I think we are at a, at a very, very peculiar and, and, and extremely interesting moment in the evolution of theater where mm. we, we are just about to abandon all those binary differences and accept the different modes of expression the different modes of artistic interpretation and accept them as uh, as one. And it's not that digital theater is going to overtake the live theater. No, like that's, that's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. Uh, but it is opening a new venue, a new perspective on what live performance is. Uh, mm -hmm. For instance, like the, the 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 show that I did, like the, that I mentioned, uh, internal iniquity. Uh, I created that that show with a group of people, and we never met before. Like we never met in person. We communicated completely online. We created show online. There was audience who saw the show. And response was that they felt alive when they saw the performance. So this this kind of very antique idea of uh, what a live performance is has to change because we carry in our pockets like the devices that give us a, yeah. this illusion of. Uh, immediate connection but when we come to theater we are like oh no that's not part of what we are doing and I'm like mm. uh, excuse me but that's stupid that's part of your <laughs> life so it has to be included in your theatrical experience mm. and so I uh, uh, I really don't like this binary division be, between what is considered to be a theater and what it's not theater because i think we we as, as i said like we, we are at the moment when we are putting a, a completely new mind frame on what theater is and what mm. live performance is mm -hmm. absolutely it, it i feel like you know as as we once again, because we've done this a couple of times already, we start to open the theaters again. Um, there are there are some people who just can't wait to finally get rid of that pesky digital aspect. 
Um, and I, I think that that, I think that's a mistake. I think that, that, um, experimenting with digital and, and even, and some people have a lot of strong feelings about this, but live streaming the theater so that you can, people can like buy a digital ticket for people who can't get to the theater. And also like, I think about, I mean, I'm rambling, but I think about all of the shows that have happened in other places in Canada, for example, I have, I just can't get there. Mm-hmm. We would be able to share those things if we could live stream our theater. I think that 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 to ignore the possibilities of what digital gives us in so many different ways is yeah. really short sighted. So I'm curious what you think about the digital theater in the post COVID world. What do you think? What do you think we should be doing? What do you think is? What are you excited to do? Well. Uh- I'm going to go back into things that were done in uh, early ages of the television, where actually you had uh, live theater being recorded and live streamed on television. So you had this incredible setup of multiple cameras and broadcasting things for just for the sake of people who are not present in the room but they're gonna watch a theater uh, at their homes and it was like extremely uh, common thing uh, mm-hmm. in Europe like BBC does that uh, German television did that. Like even uh, Serbian television did that like ages mm. ago. So it is not that we are inventing something that never existed before. Uh, we just have technology right now that it's uh, more immediate, uh, more present, mm. and more efficient in bringing this content live i remember like when i was a kid like seven eight years old like i used to watch uh theater shows at my home in belgrade that were done in zagreb croatia uh broadcasted by the television and so i'm like what's the difference between that and now not much. No. You know, I think about, you know, my fir- the first Shakespeare play I ever saw was on the CBC, recorded from uh, the Stratford Festival. It was As You Like It. And it was the first time I'd seen Shakespeare. And it was the first time that I was, like, able to say, oh, this is not complicated. You can understand it if it's performed correctly. I've also seen, you know, uh, uh, plays that were shot on, on American stages on, on, on like PBS, for example, you know, yes. Sweeney Todd, uh, 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 into the woods and, and, and other shows, uh, that, that have been recorded and broadcast. And we don't think that's unusual or strange, Yeah. but somehow when we add the internet or the computer in, suddenly we're thinking that it's something new and different. Uh, I, I think it's because, in those de- in, in those days, uh, television set was a uh, was a gathering point 
either of a family or friends or whatever, but just like it was a gathering point. Like you needed you needed to be in a room with a group of people to witness something. Uh, what has changed now is that you can pull out your smartphone, have that content brought to you so that you don't need to be in the room with the people to witness mm. something on the screen. So what is shifting, I think, is this idea of gathering. Mm. And that's and and that's at the core of what theater is. Mm-hmm. It is a gathering point. We all come together to witness something as a group, as a collective. Mm-hmm. What internet provides us is the ability to witness the same thing as an uh, individual. You don't need mm-hmm. to gather in a, in a living room of your best friend and with his mom and dad to witness a mm-hmm. Hamlet. You can have it on your iPhone. And I think uh, somewhere deep in, 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 in our kind of collective consciousness, that is something that we might be afraid of. Mm. This idea that we are becoming extremely individual. You know, one of the things that I, I, I think about is is all of the all of the, the the shows that I just mentioned and a lot of the shows that 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 I can think of that I've seen, whether you know, broadcast from the the, the national theater or a movie theater or something like that, is they're filmed and or recorded or, or broadcast with a live audience present. And so I hear the audience. I also have a sense that I'm having a different experience than that audience. Mm-hmm. The experience of watching theater on a screen is not going to be exactly the same as it is when you're in the room. And yeah. so the, they are different experiences, but they can be complementary as well. For yeah. example, you know, sometimes when I've seen a show digitally, I do think to myself, man, I would love to be in that room. You know, mm-hmm. I'll seek it out later on if I can. Mm-hmm. But at least I have the sense of what it was like to be in that room. But we, I think yeah. we have to a- acknowledge and accept that they are separate and different experiences. And, and when we can accept that, I think we might be more likely to embrace it broadly. Well, exactly. And, it, and it's not that uh, one experience is more true than the other. They are, they are simply distinct but just as you said, they can complement each other. They, mm-hmm. can, they can go hand in hand together. So yeah. it is not about that we are talking about two different things. We are talking about the, the, the same thing. And when we accept this idea of togetherness that mm-hmm. can exist outside of physical presence, then we will evolve into another like a level of of, of our consciousness you know uh, either mm-hmm. as audience or, or uh, theater creators but the point is that 
nothing good will come out if we really focus ourselves on dividing those experiences. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have to be. Yeah. They have to be uh, brought together. The the, mm-hmm. the idea of togetherness. That's that's all. Yeah, yeah. Now, how long? How long have you been uh, with Birdland Theater? Uh, I think it's been like a. It's been seven years, or something. Yeah. Because I just had to check because. Um, uh, you were, uh, I believe, the dramaturg on uh, one of my favorite theatrical theatrical experiences, which was back in 2011, which was Assassins. Yes. Um, and um, the I went with a friend, and we talked about that show for days afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty amazing to to experience. Um, and I know it was. I think it was the second time that Birdland had. Put, had put on that show yeah. uh, at that point, but what was what was I mean as the dramaturg? What was your part in 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 putting that show together? This this is the problem with 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 technology. Is I I stopped the recording by accident. So I was at <laughs> your part as uh, as dramaturg on. Uh, yeah, I was a, I was a dramaturg, like a production dramaturg on a, uh, on Assassins, and. Uh, that that was really an uh, incredible experience to to be uh, part of just gonna being surrounded with all those geniuses uh, mm. of, of theater coming together in one mm. room to, mm. to 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 bring that show uh, alive uh, and uh, as a dramaturg like my uh, my my focus was. Uh, just to make the show relevant to the moment when it's happening, mm. uh, uh, to make the show be sure that it's resonating to what we feel uh, at the moment. Mm. It speaks of the moment from the American past, but like, look what's happening right now. Like, I, I think actually now would be the amazing moment to do the show again. Uh, and, uh, but it, it was just a, and my my experience with a musical theater up to that point uh, was not that big, mm. and so for me it was also like personally on a an extremely incredible opportunity to to learn more about the form mm. and to learn more about uh, how this structure of musical theater actually works. And so uh, I jumped on that opportunity, and uh, we all created, an, uh, I think, a, a really good uh, theatrical experience for everyone. It was pretty magical, I have to say, and and uh, it's you know it's it's hard to talk about something that people can't go and see, right? Because now it was like yeah. in 2011, but it was it was pretty magical. Um, I know mm-hmm. that the show Assassins has not had um, a great uh experience uh, trying to be produced on broadway um like every time they try to produce it there's some event yeah. in the world that makes it you know <laughs> not a good time to do that show yeah um, so at least at least we got to do it here yeah well it's uh, 
And there is, uh, the, the, I don't know, I think here we felt a bit more free from what this giant of Sondheim that he mm. is, uh, and we felt a bit more liberated to really play with the material mm. and to really explore how we feel about the subject matter mm. and what is our personal uh, relation to it. And I think that was like that was that was the genius of Adam Brazier that allowed everyone really to intimately and personally resonate with the material instead of forcing them to fit into one image and one form that that show needs to be and i yeah. think that, that that that's why that that show really really had this uh, incredible impact on, on on audience because they they like performers they they all felt extremely intimately connected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to what is going on absolutely absolutely i know that birdland has also i mean i it might have been before your time but birdland did um uh and now uh, a legendary production of the last days of judas iscariot which yes. is i think the first time we got to see that in in toronto and it was done in the fermenting cellar in the distillery district, which was really before the distillery district was what it is now. Yeah. Um, and that was again, uh, much like the way that assassins was staged. This was like in an, an unusual space and, and, and put together. So that yeah. seems to be something that, that Birdland is, is, is known for is, is the unusual spaces. Uh, well, uh, Absolutely. Like I, uh, yes, it, it is about finding spaces that actually resonate with material, but it is also this, this passion of producer of Birdland Theatre, Zorana Kid, that she has about bringing people together into spaces that are stripped of uh, preconceived formality mm. of theatrical venue. So when you invite someone to fermenting cellar, that's not a theater venue. Mm. That's a space. That's a space that we agreed we're gonna gather. Mm-hmm. That we all gonna be together. And there is there is something very raw about it, and a unique energy in it. And Zorana has this, this kind of crazy instinct about discovering, discovering those, those, those spaces and, and, and places when actually people can, can come together. And as much then it is about the show, it is also about something that is happening within audience. Mm. The audience is connecting in a spaces that are not traditional theater spaces. So they need to they need to start understanding each other, and then there is a show that comes to them, and then on top of it there is this 
dialogue actually that happens mm-hmm. between audience and a performance within a space that is not traditional. And to me, that is the closest as we can get to a ritual mm. mm-hmm. in our time right now. <laughs> yeah. And like she, she, she just, has like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, as you describe this, it sound, it, to me, it makes perfect sense why that is complementary to the work that you're doing, mixing theater and, 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 and film and, and digital production. Uh, it's the same sort of, of, of changing the space, being, bringing it into an unusual space and, and yeah. allowing this, this new space to inform the production. Yeah, it's uh, it like I think we 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 have lost a little bit of this idea of what our ritual is as a as a society and like what is the myth in our society. And so when we create events like this, uh, we in a way, we are creating a mythology. We are creating a new way of understanding each other. Because myths were created because we as a human race wanted to understand the world around us. And so, if we start bringing that back in, either through the physical spaces or digital spaces, the core is creating this mutual ritual. Hmm. That's a really powerful thing because generally in our day-to-day lives, we don't have ritual so yeah. much anymore. And, and it's some, on some level, I think we do crave it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's where theater comes in. And that's why throughout the history, as much as theater was celebrated, it was also prosecuted. <laughs> sure. Because it created this, this gathering point that can change a society, that can change the way how we perceive our uh, reality. Yeah. And uh, digital, again gives us actually a much larger audiences than the actual physical uh, spaces can. Mm-hmm. There's also, I mean, just in terms of like the, the, what theater can do is it can comment on things without necessarily obviously commenting on it. That's why in so, mm-hmm. in some places they're, you know, the theater is very highly regulated because it's too dangerous to let the something so that can be so immediate that can't be edited and, 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 and controlled in front of an audience. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what, uh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I, I'm, I'm stuck on this word, like w- what you just said, like uh, uh, it cannot be edited. Mm. Uh, uh, because we are living at, at this moment, we are living 
an extremely edited reality. Mm -hmm. And uh, theater has ability uh, not just to show that, but to shift that. Mm -hmm. Because if we look again back throughout the history, uh, nothing good has come out of edited society. You edited society created only anxiety, mm. then created resistance, and then there is a rebellion, and then you have a revolution. So mm. uh, what we have right now, like we, we, we have this idea that we cannot talk about certain things if they are not said in a certain way. Mm. But then if they are said in a certain way, that means that artist is obliged to follow a certain formula or certain set of rules to which he can say things or not. And that's a control. Mm. Mm. And that's that's when things start to get very uh, troublesome. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about your your beginnings as an artist, as a as a theater creator. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, uh, seeing theater on the TV uh, when you were growing yeah. up. Is it was yeah. that your first exposure to theater, and and what made you want to be involved in theater? Uh, well, like when, when I was a kid, uh, we had those regular visits to the, um, theaters as a kind of school groups and everything. Uh, but what made me really start seriously thinking about it was this idea of, of connection between something that is happening in front of me and me who is watching it, who is witnessing it. And uh, I, I felt extremely attracted to this idea to, to create some, some, some kind of a energy that will bring uh, people together. And... Uh, then I started doing different things. I uh, I did a little bit of a uh, film and uh, things like that. But theater was always there. Is this the most immediate uh, experience of what simply being alive? And and that fascinated me. Like, what is this thing that it's happening in front of me? that makes me feel alive, more alive than I was like a 20 minutes ago. And I, and I always have that in me. Um, so you, uh, that you grew up in Serbia, is that right? Yes. And then yes. you came to Toronto. Um, was Toronto your first stop when you came to Toronto or came to Canada? Oh, oh no, 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 no. Uh, my first stop 
was actually uh, West Canada, ah. uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, I came to Edmonton to do my uh, master's in uh, directing at the University mm. of Alberta. And uh, uh, so I, I, I did my two years of the program there, and then I stayed like a two, I think, like two, two and a half years more in uh, uh, Edmonton, uh, creating shows, participating at Edmonton Fringe. I had like uh, two shows there. I had uh, the first show I did for the Fringe there was a creation of the world and other businesses by uh, Arthur Miller. And uh, the second one was anime, which was kind of a science fiction thing, almost like a Romeo and Juliet meets Blade Runner. Mm. Uh, and then after that, I, uh, I came to Toronto. Mm. It's interesting you did a, a science fiction play because I, I think that we don't, it, these days, we don't, mm -hmm. in the theater, we don't play with with genre like we don't yeah. play with horror we don't play with science fiction as much yeah. as they as they used to um and and i think that we're missing out by not exploring mm -hmm. those genres on the stage yeah yeah no i i absolutely i absolutely uh, agree with you uh, because i think uh genre gives you gives you this very uh, uh, unique opportunity to start uh, with a certain form and then expand it and change it mm. and to bring a completely different kind of content to the audience. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we, we, we are getting... Uh, stuck in this idea of a theater as a, a self-expression device, mm. uh, which I'm not sure actually the theater is. <laughs> mm. uh, in one way, it starts from there, but if it stays like that, then it becomes a very self-indulgent yeah. thing. And I think this uh, self-indulgence and correctness in congratulating ourselves and our friends on what we created does not move us forward. Mm. And if we explore different genres, as you said, like uh, science fiction, horror, like I, I, I cannot remember... When was the last time when I saw actually the horror show, horror theater show? And I think, if anything else, horror as a genre is the closest we can get to the Greek catharsis at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's something that magical that happens with horror because there's, okay, so there is a, a, a Toronto theater company called Eldritch Theater. Um, uh, people who listen yes. to this podcast regularly, they know about my love for Eldritch Theater um, yeah. <laughs> because they do uh, a lot of horror-based stuff. 
and it's it's well done and it's 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 certainly uh, uh, it does all the, the things that you that you that you mentioned because mm-hmm. the the genre of horror is is one yeah when you watch it on a screen you're separate from it right yes you might yeah. jump but you're separate for from it in a way that when it's happening in the same room that you're in you cannot be separate from it and so the reaction to a frightening element is more visceral uh, than when we just watch it on a screen. And it's, it's yeah. a fascinating thing to experience when that happens. Yeah. It's, uh, well, we, we are going back to, to what we like said like a minute ago. <laughs> the, 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 this idea of, uh, of closeness. Of immediacy mm-hmm. of the moment, of the mm-hmm. immediacy of the co-presence, because show is not something that is there to be performed. Show mm-hmm. is something that is a living entity that is mm-hmm. addressing you as another living entity, mm-hmm. yeah. and those two entities need to find a way to talk to each other. Yeah. And it is fine if they don't understand each other. It is absolutely fine if they hate each other. And it's also fine if they love each other. Because that's what makes them alive. Mm. There's a fascinating thing, I think, that, that in a lot of cases we really want our theater to be everything tied up in a nice little bow. We don't like rough edges. Mm -hmm. We want everything really, really kind of uh, a little too molded. And there's something about seeing something that is a little rough around the edges that actually I think feels more theatrical. Yeah. You know, it it does. Things don't have to, everything doesn't have to be tied up in a little bow. It can be rough. It can be, it can be a little bit messy and the messy can kind of make it even, even more exhilarating. Yeah. Because that messy part is probably the one that we connect with this idea of truth. Mm. Because, uh, it's not perfect. Mm. And we know it. And we know that we, as humans, we are not perfect. And so <laughs> that's like, that's to what we, 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 we relate. Mm. And, you know, like uh, art, art starts at the moment when, uh, like life and nature cannot explain themselves to us. So we need theater to explain life to us. Hmm. And if it's going to be tied in a nice sparkly bowl, then we somehow, then we know it's not real. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if sometimes, uh, sometimes that's what we what is sort of you know that's encouraged or it's sought or we think it's sought because that allows people to separate from it and know it's not real. Whereas if it is rough, 
then it then even that roughness, those rough edges make it feel more immediate for the audience. Again, uh, the, the, this idea of of immediacy and how something evolves in in front of you as a as audience member and when you're when you're watching a show you're witnessing a a kind of a evolution of something that started at the point a and it's gonna end in the point b and you know that but what you're looking for is this moment in that evolution when it this evolution becomes part of you. Mm. And now going back to, to, to this digital thing is that uh, this like the digital actually now allows this imperfection to happen in a real time. Mm. And we accept it. Yeah. We say, oh, sorry, connection was bad. <laughs> yes. Can you Ooh. hear me? Oh, no. Are you still there? No. Yeah. Can you hear me? <laughs> and we accept that and we move on. But just that yeah. little moment of, oh, sorry, can you hear me? Mm. Ma- makes the connection authentic. Yeah. And like I, I think that's what we are looking for. In, in theater, and and, mm. and and that's what I'm what I'm hoping that uh, in this post COVID or whatever call it uh, world that will spill into theater. Mm. The, 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 this idea that that you can check yourself in within the performance. <laughs> Am I still there? Are you still there? Oh, okay, good. We're moving on. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, too, that's, great. Too, that's great. Too many things, too many no, things to think about. I mean, there's always a lot to think about. It's really, it's awesome. Um, I would like you to tell me a little bit about your work in the intersection of mindfulness and art practice. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, well, uh, yeah, uh, I was always interested in that. I was always interested in this idea uh, from where uh, creativity comes from. Because I always felt that uh, this concept of uh, being talented and gifted uh, somehow is not right. Because I always believe that we carry in ourselves everything that we need. And it's about simply awakening those segments in us. And uh, how I started with that was really through my, through my practice when I working with different uh, sets of creative people, when I witness different kind of... Uh, blocks that I experienced throughout the process and everything, I always try to provide them uh, with some kind of tools how to overcome them and accept them as a necessary part of the of creation. And from there I started 
thinking, okay, maybe maybe I can really articulate this into a, a certain form and uh, practicing like a practicing meditation uh, for a certain number of years I, I, I felt a, I felt a connection between uh, between the creative process and, and meditation and then I uh, started articulating that slowly into something that I can teach that I can uh, coach people to go on with and that's how I created this little thing that I'm calling the the seven cycles of you and the reason why I'm calling that is because it's really just gonna the simply the the seven circles of a certain exercises that you can do and uh, in all of those circles the center of the circle is you as a as a at the same time as a as a source and as a creation and um, it's been fun doing that because I, I've been doing that with a like a mature artist but I also was doing uh, I was coaching children with the same thing and it's amazing so that's mm. that's how I'm there <laughs> yeah now, if, if somebody was interested in, in your course, where would they find it? Well, uh, they, can, uh, uh, they can reach out either through uh, Birdland and our Facebook page, or they can look for a Facebook page of uh, a Digital Dream Society and uh, simply leave a message there and I'll get back to them. Nice. And it's simple as that. Awesome. Well, Stefan, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. I've really appreciated your time and I've, I really love this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for hosting this. 